the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Thursday the 13th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. morning. What's going on? How are we doing on another beautiful 55-degree morning? Well, you just made me realize we were one day off of avoiding Friday the 13th, which is pretty good. That is pretty good. We'll take that. Well, That's uh, always a win if you don't have a Friday the 13th. It's a huge Thursday, W. Thursday the 13th uh, sounds a little better than Friday the 13th anyways, I think. I'll take that every day of the week. But uh, double upsets last night in the NBA playing, guys. Both the 10 seeds beat the 9 seeds last night. That was pretty cool. There you go. So I'm just waiting for the Knicks. Waiting for the Knicks on Saturday, man. See if they can pull it out for us. I think they got a pretty good chance. Honestly, they got a pretty good chance against um, Cleveland. Is that the worst draw they could have had first round? Absolutely. But um, we'll see because it all comes down to if uh, Donovan Mitchell and, well, if he can carry the Cavaliers through. But we'll talk a little NBA basketball a little later on here uh, in this edition of Panhandle Sports Live. But let's talk about a little high school baseball. Had a ton of games going on yesterday. Yeah, we did. And then some action going on down at the beach. Hedgesville beat Princeton 10 to nothing to score that game. Lane DeLauder, talk about uh, the aces that they have. We talked about Musselman's 1 and 2. But for Hedgesville, they've got Lane DeLauder. They've got Jackson Ruest. DeLauder in this one strikes out 7, goes 5 in a mercy rule game. Hedgesville's 12th one of the season. Jefferson handles Wakama. Riley Morgan drives in four runs in this game. 15 to 2, the final score of that one. The Cougars are now 9 and 3. Martinsburg has hit a little bit of a skid, dropping a couple of games in a row. They lose this one to Georgetown 4 to 2. They're now 9 and 6 on the year. They're down. 4-0, rallied late to get two runs across, but that's the best that they could muster. Um, those are the teams that are down at the beach. Musselman beat Tyler Consolidated 3-1. to It's a tough in-state opponent. like to see them play tough in-state opponents, especially um, uh, outside of their classification, outside of their area, really. 16 wins now in the season, all coming in a row for the Appleman after getting off to an abysmal start. Washington lost a game now 6-9 and nine, uh, to McClancy. 12-0 was the score of that game. And then some softball as well. Musselman and Martinsburg still both struggling. We're blanked. Uh, Martinsburg lose one to sixteen or sixteen to one to East Hardy and are now zero and sixteen on the season. Musselman's five and ten. They lose to Briarwood fifteen to nothing. Spring Mills beats Williamsport ten to four. And Spring Mills will be a topic of discussion tonight because we've got Spring Mills hosting Musselman tonight on our airwaves at seven p.m. But yeah, all. Uh, six baseball teams in action yesterday. The Panhandle goes what three and three, mm-hmm. and then the three softball teams in action, and the Panhandle goes one and two. That's a pretty big matchup here on Panhandle on uh, the Panhandle News Network with Musselman and Spring Mills. Musselman, like you said, sixteen and three, one of the best records in the state, still in the state of West Virginia. And um, as we know, or as we've been seeing, the Panhandle has some of the best competition, top to bottom in the entire state. So in this conference play is really going to battle test them for the rest of the season. So uh, tune in right here on WPM and WCST Spring Mills and Musselman 
if you can uh, give an educated guess on what you think the uh, potential outcome Parker could be in this one, what do you think? I'd say Spring Mills right now with Musselman struggling right now at 5 and 10 in their softball season. They got Spring Mills 10 and 4. We talked about the Cardinals being like that third team in softball right now with, of course, Washington and Jefferson being those two that have kind of dominated a, a game where Washington and Jefferson could re- – any other scenario, if they're not in the same section, could be a game of the state tournament between those two teams. Mossman right now, they got to find a way to get a win to get themselves back in momentum right now or to make it a four-team race because right now it's a three-team race. Spring Mills with a win here, I think, dashes Mossman's hopes of having any sort of hope coming into this. But being at Spring Mills is going to be a tough – it's going to be a tough ask for Musselman to beat Spring Mills at Spring Mills, and they look like they're on a good pace right now. I'm excited to see what the Cardinals can do later on this season against Washington and Jefferson, if they can contend with those two teams. So if we're going to talk about is this a two-team race to Charleston or potentially a three-team race to Charleston. But it's going to be exciting action on here on the Panhandle News Network tonight. Tell you what, those uh, teams that are down at the beach are getting some pretty good weather these last couple of days. Now, oh, yeah. tomorrow, I have a chance of rain, but um, today, high of 72, partly cloudy skies. Saturday, 75. Sunday, 76. I can get into that kind of weather. You That's know, about it's perfect, be, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I think for uh, the spring game on Saturday, we have some pretty good weather as well. Again, that's at 3.30, and uh, we'll be covering that Shepherd Spring game here on WEPM. But, um, and we had a pretty good conversation about that yesterday. But I'm excited for that, man. Gets me that uh, that football itch going a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think so. And West Virginia spring games the next week, you know, football's on the front of everybody's mind right now uh, for both programs, for, for the Mountaineers, because of what's going on with their quarterback situation. For Shepard, what's going on with their quarterback situation. You know, Ernie McCook has rebuilt teams. He needs to do it again. This is the most he's ever had to replace. Uh, and the fans are going to be excited. You know, is it going to be same old Shepard, back to dominance? What are the QBs going to look like? What's the depth of the team going to look like? Or is there going to be cause for concern going into the summer? Does Shepard have to dip back into the transfer portal to fill even more holes? Um, not all those questions will be answered on Saturday, but I'm sure a good number will, and it's certainly going to be fun to see and always a, a great opportunity to spend some time at the stadium. Do you think this is McCook's first actual rebuild? Because you think about it, he took over the program from Monty Cater that was pretty already well solidified, and he already had, I mean, he had good quarterbacks. He had Seba already in the, I mean, granted, I'm not 100% educated on who he's brought in uh, big recruit-wise, but... I feel like this is really his first legit rebuild instead of just having to replace, you know, one or two guys here and there. So this would be his sixth season, and you're right. Uh, you talk about the holdover for Monty Cater's team. And I remember when Coach Cater came on, he kind of joked about, well, the core of this team are also still players that he recruited, right. which is kind of true. Although I, I think that, with all due respect, Coach Cater's going in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I think that when you hear the conversations about how Tyson got to Shepard, a lot of those conversations involve Coach McCook. So he was the one that went out and got Tyson. And you could make the argument that, well, he went from a generational coach in a generational era of Shepherd football to potentially the best quarterback in the history right. of college football. Mm-hmm. So you're right. He hasn't had to start from nothing and almost nothing. We talk about this team having completely replaced the backfield, half the offensive line, the quarterback, their top receivers, their entire front four, uh, key pieces from their linebacking core, and a lot of overall depth. So this is certainly the most extensive rebuild he's ever had. The only other time he's had to pivot away from a current core of success to another, he was not handed because he went out and got Tyson, but it started with that generational talent. So, you know, unless there's a Tyson on the team right now, 
which there's mm-hmm. a lot of quarterbacks, so hopefully one of so them many will be mm-hmm. just as good. Uh, this would be the most in-depth he's ever had to kind of reach down into his bag of tricks and, and try to compete. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely say so. And I'd say the biggest thing you can pull away from the amount of quarterbacks in the room right now is whoever wins that job, they're going to have to earn it, and they're going to have to play astronomically well to earn that position. So that kind of adds to the bulk of who this quarterback is going to be, whether it's going to be Seth Morgan, whether it's going to be Christian Etchinson or a guy like Lech Powell, Sammy Roberts, Ezra Bage, and the names go on and on for who could be quarterback. And I'm interested to see how these reps and snaps are going to be divvied out at the spring game because I'm sure each guy's going to touch the ball at least a little bit at some point. Is it going to be who's going to start? Yeah, I think that's going to be the big indicator. The guy who starts the spring game I think is going to have the inside track to winning this job. Is it Morgan? Is it Etchison? Those are the two kind of betting favorites. People would say would be quarterback coming into next season. I wouldn't discount it. We talked at length about Lech Powell a couple of days ago, him being a dark horse. Sammy Roberts, of course, is a dark horse for winning this job. But again, I think the biggest thing right now is finding the way to replace that front four because you got to get to the quarterback in the PSAC. That, that's how you win games. We saw how effective IUP was in beating Shepard in that PSAC championship game because they just couldn't get to the quarterback. That was the issue. And now when you lose guys like Kyle Smith, Malik Halloway, Solomon Alexander, and Journey Dunbar, the whole front four gone, mm-hmm. how is that going to be replaced? Is Isaiah Farmer primed for a breakout season? Is it going to be a freshman who steps up? How are the two D tackles on this team going to be replaced? That's probably my biggest concern outside of the quarterback position is how is Shepard going to get to the quarterback next season? Well, a lot's going to hinge on Dwayne Grantham and how healthy he can keep himself, period, but that hand that kept him out the whole you know last half or last part of the season, especially through that playoff push because he had such a dominant season. I mean, yes, Kyle Smith and the other guys, they were pivotal, but he was the anchor of that defense because he was everywhere. He was going back in coverage. He was getting in the backfield. He was stopping runs on the corner or on the edge and doing things like that. So I think it, a lot a lot of it hit hinges on Dwayne Grantham this year uh, and the other linebacker that his name's escaping me. JT Yes, Kumeyao, and him as well. Yeah, and the thing about Grantham, you're right about being a versatile player. He had three interceptions in the first three games of the season. Uh, he only finished the year with two sacks, mm-hmm. but he had a lot of pressures. And you could see Shepard getting creative. Do they switch up their front? Do they go to a front three, get all those linebackers on the field and try to get them into the backfield more often? Is Dwayne Grantham the key to unlocking this team's pass rush from the second level as opposed to the front four if that's what Shepard wants to do or a front three, like I said? Um, There's a lot of potential there. Shepard had to get after the quarterback early through the first three or four games of the season and did so successfully because their secondary was young and inexperienced. This year, you've got more depth, more experience in the second level, which means you can have more coverage sacks than a year ago. So the strength of this team is probably going to shift regardless of who's playing away from the front seven to the back seven mm-hmm. um, this season, um, which hopefully they can pick up the slack for potentially a slower pass rush trying to get after the quarterback if you can hold your own and man or zone coverage, uh, which they were able to do a little bit more better towards the end of the season, of course, until the semifinal. Um, you just might just see a shift in where the most talent on this defense lies. And the big thing, too, I'm looking through the roster right now, I think a credit to the staff for recruiting well in this sense, there's a lot of pass rushers and defensive linemen listed on the roster for right now coming into next season. There's guys in the panhandle too, guys like Nathan Muley, who's a Jefferson product. You got a guy like Christian Slack, who's a Martinsburg product. So there's local guys in here as well as guys outside from Maryland and Virginia as well. 
They've loaded up on defensive line. It's something you got to be loaded up on, especially when you're going to be clean slating the front four. If Luke alluded to, if you want to switch your defense up, go to a front three and go into four linebackers, three linebackers with an extra nickel into the conversation, Whether which way they want to do that. But I think the strength of defense has to be the secondary coming into next season when you got two, two of arguably the best corners in the PSAC coming back and both Dante Harrison and Clayton Batten. Both these guys are still – could play for another year on top of that too. Both these guys, fantastic. I'm excited to see the encore for both these guys. I've compared like Batten's more of the like the traditional shutdown corner while Dante Harrison's more of like the guy that goes for the inter- – goes mm-hmm. with a big play interception pick six type of guy. I love that contrast in both their styles, and I'm really excited for those two guys because they are fun to watch. Well, Texas, get in touch with us. Let, let us know what you think, 304-263-4321. And I'm looking here, and we had a snub, an Abby Beeman snub in the Marshall University Athletics Marcos Awards, like their ESPYs, their uh, award ceremony for the end of the year. Not in anything. She didn't win a single thing. Wow. She didn't win the We Are Marshall Award, the – Top overall academic, top over or uh, Marshall Pride Award. Like, come on, she's the best player. Like, they're already their best player ever in women's basketball. Do you guys see by the way their softball team won again and they're thirty four and four again? Wow, Dang, I know. Are they not ranked yet? Four? They got it. Surely, I have no idea. To Surely. be honest with you, I saw the last time the polls came out, they weren't ranked, and everybody was going nuts about it. Hey, thirty four and four, and you're not in the top five. You'd have to think. <laughs> I would hope. Wow. Well. We got to step aside, anyways. We'll take a look and we'll come back and uh, keep chatting here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Nice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And upon further review, Marshall Softball at 34 and 4 is, well, ranked 60th in the nation. Yeah, their RPI is, I mean, that shows that they have a weak strength schedule, but at the same time, I mean, come on. 60th. <laughs> They're 34 and 4. That's a, that's that's a, that's unfair. Unfair oh. to the Thundering Herd. When they get that new facility down there, hopefully that'll help bolster their. Their, their opinion in the nation. So Shepard kind of runs into this sometimes too in uh, football especially. Uh, but do you think people put a little bit too much in strength of schedule? Yeah, it, yes. People put too much, I think, sometimes into uh, non-Power 5 versus Power 5, Group of 5 versus Power 5. Um, and look at just what just happened in the national championship game for basketball. You right. know, like it's not impossible for these teams to compete with Division One programs. Now, there's a clear hierarchy in college softball. That runs through the top of the Big 12, and I don't think that anybody would imply that Marshall should compete with the likes of Oklahoma, UCLA, Oklahoma State. But you look at RPI, and let's just go down here. Here's um, Central Arkansas from the A-Sun. You know, here's Oregon from the Pac-12 at 22. The AAC, Wichita State. You know, Michigan in the Big 10 this year. CUSA, Charlotte. I mean, can Marshall not compete with these teams? That's remarkably unfair. They shouldn't be dinged for... Uh, things out of their control because they're not in that conference. Um, they're not in the Sun Belt because of softball. They're in the Sun Belt because of football. And they're in the Sun Belt because they're trying to survive Conference USA collapsing. You know, you, these teams shouldn't have to pay the price for decisions made by revenue earning sports. Softball should still get the right to say that we've lost four times in the 38 games that we played this year. Uh, and hopefully they get the chance to show it in the NCAA tournament. I know people don't care that much about Marshall softball, but they're 34 and four. Right. Yeah, I mean, come on. And, and West Virginia is low key becoming a softball state. 
because West Virginia Wesleyan at the Division II level is an absolute powerhouse in mm-hmm. softball. Marshall's getting there. WVU doesn't have softball, although I hope they expand. That's a great question for any listeners out there. What men's sport would you like to see the most if West Virginia adds softball, which is something that could happen in the last in the next 10 years? The mm-hmm. two answers to me are track or let's get weird with it and add a hockey team. Uh, but they already got a hockey team. They've got club hockey. club hockey. They already got a hockey team. I think track is the next thing they need. Yeah, that's the easiest. They already yeah. have a track. You know, that's exactly. Then that what helps. They would the, do. That helps all the other sports. Exactly. And they got guys doing double things and whatnot. I don't know. I think water polo is kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, like all those weird, all those, teams? all those weird summer Olympic sports that you get to watch when it's in like uh, way out in like I don't know China or whatever, and you're up at. 2 a.m. and you're watching ping pong and you know different things like badminton, whatever. I'm surprised that um, pickleball is not there yet. Oh, just wait. When do you think pickleball becomes a oh, collegiate sport? I, I I think by 2030. 2030. It, I think you by think 2030. that long. You think it's gonna take that long? Well, they got to set up the program and everything. No, oh, dude. No way. I what think, do you think 25. I feel like pickleball. Sure. I mean, I think I think that within the next five. At years. what point though do we have the conversation that's a fad? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, careful. Yeah, I know. Dude. I might have just poked the hornet's nest poke, there. poke the bear of the pickleball. You know, careful. Like, I, I grew up listening to people saying that they thought that NASCAR was going to be the biggest sport ever. Hey. You know, you shuffleboard hey. at one point. Watch what you say about NASCAR. <laughs> there is, uh, for as much as it gets doxxed, there's still a pretty big following for NASCAR. NASCAR's awesome. Well, but I'm New saying, NASCAR's like, awesome. I remember hearing in the early 2000s that NASCAR was going to be the biggest thing in the history of mankind. And that people were died. flocking to. Oh, is that what it was? Rest in peace. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have no put idea. Put your threes up out there. I <laughs> put your threes up. I've never. Uh, I've. I have not sat through a race before, and I don't oh. really plan on it. Dude, there's nothing better than having a race on on a Sunday if you don't have anything going on, right? You turn it on and you, you know, go make some knee clean, you know, pick up some stuff. You come back, you watch the last like 30 laps. It's casual boom. watching. Well, you, is exactly. that a top five casual watching sport? Yes. Golf's number one. Okay. Right, surely. Bowling's yeah. got to be up there. Baseball's kind of up bowling there. Bowling can too. get pretty intense. Really? You watch the, like, the. I just, I, I come for the bowling perspective is like, that's what's on, like, you go to a, like a Pizza Hut at one o'clock on a Sunday <laughs> and that's what's on the TV. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I mean for bowling. And then obviously baseball. Well, to keep talking about pickleball, when I was down in Florida, me and my dad had an Uber driver. So we were in, we were leaving the trop to go uh, meet some people. And the our Uber driver was a part of a group of, ex-professional athletes that were Ubering around downtown St. Petersburg to, for charity or whatever. So like whatever the fare was, half of it went to charity. And I cannot remember, and if my dad's listening, I hope he texts me. I can't remember his name, but he played against like all the dudes, right? Agassi, Sampras, I mean, you name him, Nadal, all these things. So we were. he was talking about tennis, yada, yada, yada. He lives in this awesome penthouse, whatever. And I asked him, I was like, what do you think about pickleball? And he stopped at the light aggressively, turns around, he goes, with an expletive deleted from this comment, he says, I hate it. <laughs> He's like, I hate it because it's they're taking up all the tennis courts. They're ripping oh, yeah, up tennis courts they and courts. rebuilding them as, ten, as pickleball courts. So, yeah, it's true. Which I'm, I'm not surprised, knowing how big pickleball is around here, not surprised that it hasn't happened. There's a yet. there's a string of tennis courts down from where my grandpa lives in Illinois uh, that we'd go out and play tennis you know, as a family mm-hmm. just for giggles. And they have the pickleball set up, you know, on the on the. So there's four courts, pickleball, and all four of them. We'd go there early before the pickleball people would go start, you know, playing tennis on the tennis court. Mm-hmm. Furious, they'd show up. That's before I knew what pickleball was. I just thought it was like big ping pong. Well, yeah, people. That's what people are starting to get annoyed about is how loud it is. It is pretty loud. Yeah, but you know, they've got their three courts down there. We're a family just trying to play some yeah. tennis. They're furious. You know, our pickleball. We it's a coexist. tennis court, my guy. We can coexist. Yeah. 
Y'all just hang out, you know, on your side. We'll hang out on our side. <laughs> but uh, if you're a, a pickleballer out there, text us. What do you think? Do you uh, do you think the anti pickleball slander is too much already? Text What's us. a here's a bold pickleball take? The amount of people playing pickleball will deteriorate by eighty percent by the year twenty thirty. It'll be something else. Yeah, maybe we'll get back into croquet. I don't know. The It'll next, be something else. The next or the biggest fad sport potentially pickleball. Who knows? Texas three zero four two six three four three two one. Uh, we'll step aside briefly, and then we'll come back, and we'll uh, start hitting some of the national sports on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live, heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Before we get to some of the national headlines, you're talking about um, fad sports and maybe, you know, pickleball potentially being one of those fad sports. Uh, do you remember slam ball from back in the day? Are you guys Is too young for slam ball? Like spike yeah. ball? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Slam ball. Slam ball is different? So I, yeah. I know spike ball. I don't know slam ball. You guys don't know slam ball? Uh, are no. you sure we're not thinking of the same thing? Like the thing with the trampoline and, you and like basketball. two on two. No, oh, you're talking the about basketball. The, yeah, 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 yeah. I said I, it to y'all. At our so it was like it was a regular basketball court in the middle. Yeah, and then with trampolines on the edge. And then, you guys never watched slam ball? I mean, I've seen it, but no, I don't oh, have time watching the league. Oh, dude. Well, speaking of fat sports, they need to bring that one back in a big way. But the tweet I sent you is a video of slam ball highlights. And it says Zion Williams is, in, is inactive for tonight. And then it says Zion Williams in warm ups and he's dunking on people. So. <laughs> Pretty funny, but slam ball was about. I can't believe you guys have played now. Spike ball, on the other hand, I think is a. If we we want to get into another uh, side topic, top five like yard party games, slam or spike ball. Yeah, I think cornhole is never going to be defeated. Right, uh, cornhole. That's, that's I, I feel like that's even in its own kind of thing. Cornhole. Thing. Uh, what's the one with the three ladders and you have the ladder the, ball? Yeah, ladder ball. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> ladder ball. Uh, lawn darts. I've not played lawn darts though. Um, washers is a good one too. You ever play washers? washers? Yeah, I play washers. washers. I don't know what that one is. You guys ever play Can Jam? Oh yeah, Can I don't know what Can Jam is either. So Can Jam's a top three. It's really cool. So it's I, the best way I could describe it is like it's kind of like cornhole, but with uh, it's got like a can and it's got like a slit in it, and you have a frisbee. It's a, it, the hole's the size of a frisbee. So, so it's like frisbee golf, right? But you can so like the two of you. So me and you are on a team since we're across from each other. Parker is on a team with somebody else, and they're across from each other, right? Set mm-hmm. up like cornhole. So I have the frisbee, and my goal is to try and hit the can, either hit it or go into the slot. Right. right? So if you go into the slot, it's game over. I think. Yeah, it's an automatic. Um, or if you hit the can, it's a point. So I would throw it, and for a real life example, I'm awful at throwing a frisbee. So you now have the job to corral the uh, frisbee and hit it back to into the can. Okay. Yeah. I think it's if you if you throw the frisbee and your partner hits the can, it's one. If yeah. you throw the frisbee and hit the can, it's two. Now, if you are over the top of the can and you go in and it. It, you smack it from the top of the can because it's an open top, it's three. It's three points, and then if it after the if, through the slot, through it's the a slot, win. an automatic right. win. Ooh, I've wasted a lot of hours playing can jam. I'm gonna tell what was the other you. one? Washers. I haven't heard of washers. Either. So washers is set up like uh, horseshoes. Yeah, it's got like yeah. three different tiers. A little box, and it's got a uh, PVC pipe or a little thing in the middle of the box, and you take big washers, right? And you uh, toss me, try and toss it into the thing. Yeah, there's a lot of fun ones, man. Summertime. I'll tell you it. what, we played a can. You have a Panhandle Sports Live barbecue. Dude, we got a oh, big old, we got a we got a big old grill oh, out in the thing. 
And then we got a nice yard didn't, out here. Didn't Jared like grill for us? Like, was it like Memorial Day weekend or something like that one I think time? So it was something around that. Well, night. He so went out and get the something. listeners over here. We'll have a we'll have a can jam tournament. Have to do that one of these days. That's we a good actually idea. ran we ran a can jam tournament. My uh, it was like our senior picnic when I was in high school. We did like a full can jam tournament. It was and we had like a little beach like place at a state park, like twenty minutes up the road. Nice. Oh, it was so much fun. Well, one two, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, you, you won it? it? I won that thing. Me and my best friend Caleb won that thing. Wow. Shout out. Did you get a trophy? What'd you get for it? Eh, just pride. <laughs> hey, that's all you really need in the end. That's all you need in the end. But um, anyways, let's uh, get back on track and start talking. Uh, a little national sports. Had all kinds of uh, baseball action yesterday. The Nats lose 3-2 to two on the road uh, against the Angels. And the Orioles lose. Uh, eight to four against the Athletics. A big home run in the bottom of the or in the top of the first inning for Oakland was pretty much the uh, final nail in the coffin in that one for the Orioles as they are still just trying to you know figure things out. Early season pitching is still kind of working its way in. Their hitting is already there. So uh, at this point, what do you think the weakness is for for the Orioles? I mean, is it just their their youth and their consistent or their lack of consistency? really at this point in their careers? I think he's still pitching. Uh, Kremer did not look good at any point in this game. Struck out one, got knocked out in the fifth. Uh, Aiken and Perez both come in and give up multiple runs out of the pen, and only Perez goes more than an inning. If I remember correctly, Dean Kremer came over in the uh, Manny Machado trade. You know, so. he, was a, he was a big piece of that. It's just starting pitching for them. Top to bottom, you know, I'm not thrilled necessarily with the way the lineup was constructed. I, I don't really like that McCann's hitting in the middle of this lineup. Um, you know, McKenna in center field also has kind of left a lot to be desired. I think he pinch hit in this game. Or no, he came in and Mullins came in for him, forgive me. Um, but pitching is going to be the problem from start to finish. If you can't beat a bad A's team, it's an A's team that can do one thing and it's score runs. And they are going to do so against poor pitching. Uh, and the Orioles are going to struggle to execute. You got a really important rubber match today. A little matinee baseball at 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to win this game. You know, yeah. I know it's it's not you can't call it a must win because there's 162 games. It's this pretty season. close though. But you're six and six. You know, you're going on the road to take on Chicago, and then you play the Nats. Um, so Don't you're on the road like for that, your next dude. five games. <laughs> if you drop this game. And then you go into that five game road stretch and then you don't win three of those two games. It just starts to put a tumble, put that snowball in motion in a way that you don't want it to this early in the season. And a lot of this revolves around pitching. You know, the O's, we talked about it yesterday, that they need to go out and add an arm uh, through a trade potentially, yes, especially if Rodriguez isn't ready. Um, and and that, that's the biggest thing to me. There's glaring holes in this bullpen. And you've got one of the best farm systems in baseball. You start to look at AAA and see who can come up and make an impact for this team, but they're going to have to make a deal sooner than not because these are games in April and May that when you get to the end of the season and you only won 85 games instead of 90, that you go back and look at this game against the A's as saying, well, Kremer went out there and didn't put us in a chance to compete, fell behind early, and the bullpen didn't bail us out. So, you know, it just needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. Yeah, you look at the list of prospects for the Orioles right now. Outside of Rodriguez, you got a guy in D.L. Hall who's still in AAA. His projected call-up is going to be sometime this year. Other than that, you got to go all the way down to Cade Povich, who's not going to be ready projectedly until 2024. Is it, is it a situation where do you feel comfortable enough with the lineup you have right now to potentially trade some of your higher-end prospects? I know Colton Kowser could be a piece. I know the outfield looks pretty solid. You got Mullins, you got Austin Hayes. Would you be willing to part with a guy like Colton Kowser in a trade to potentially pick up that arm? Because what you're going to have to do. Jordan Westberg's an infielder too. You got Hessen Kierjad as another guy who won't be ready to around 2024. But 
you got pieces here. You got the top farm system in baseball. If you want to accelerate your team and compete, I think now is the time for you to do that because the O's had a lot of top picks from the years where they were the doormat and in the cellar of baseball. Are they going to be in that cellar again? I can't imagine very much at all at this point. They're around the middle of the pack at this point. So if you want to go get that arm, I think now's the time to trade those prospects later on and as we get towards the all-star break and the trade deadline. I think now's the time for you to make that move because, again, I don't think they're going to be down in the cellar. I think the teams that are going to be there are like the A's, the Nationals, maybe like a team like, well, they're playing good right now, but a team like maybe the Pirates and maybe the Cubs, depending on how things go. I think now's the time if you want to pull that trigger and get that pitcher. I feel like it's right now. Well, one team that certainly doesn't have any problem winning right now are the Tampa Bay Rays. They might never lose a game this whole season, I don't think, at this point. They're knocking on the door. What is it? They got to get the 13 wins. Is that the record? I think uh, most wins to start a season uh, in a row is around 13, but they win 9-7 to against a uh, struggling, early struggling Boston Red Sox team. But what about these Rays, man? They still can't feel the trop. Yeah, they still can't a, fill it. there's still a chance that this team's going to end up back in like Montreal or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And, and it, it's it's odd. I mean, the way this team continues to compete and the way they continue to be under supported uh, is is remarkable. They've gotten off to a great start to the season. Wander Franco's having a really good start. Josh Lowe, everyone's been waiting for him to bounce back uh, for a really long time, and he's he's starting to do that just now. And and, and per usual with any Rays team, it's built around unbelievable success from their starting pitching. Because if I'm correct, yeah, Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen have both uh, made, they've made four starts combined. They've yet to give up a run. Shane McClanahan's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Josh Bradley's been fine. I know Eflin got a little banged up, so they're starting to figure out who the other. I think it was Josh Fleming that made a start for them the other day. Um, they've got really good pitching, per usual. They've got Fairbanks in the back of the bullpen that hasn't given up a run yet, has a couple of saves. They're a really well-constructed team. You know, they're a team that for years has flown in the face of the Yankees and the Dodgers or any other professional sports team in any sport, uh, soccer, whatever, that does not need an, uh, a huge payroll to compete. They've got a very good farm system. They've got a very smart front office, and they play very sound baseball. They've got a, a strict way of doing things that has given them success. They've made it to the World Series, and they continue to compete. It's something that certainly deserves to be commended um, because they're doing so on a shoestring budget year after year. Um, and there's a lot of other teams in, in baseball that can certainly take notice. The question for me becomes, I would get curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. Um, Jordan Walker for the Cardinals has began his MLB career on a 12-game hitting streak, and the Rays are 12-0. and Which of those two streaks is going to come to an end first? By the way, Tampa is 28th in baseball on payroll, which is <laughs> unbelievable. That's not. Is Jordan Walker not going to get a hitter or are the Rays going to lose? What's going to happen first? That's a good question. I don't know. Part of me wants to say, it just kind of depends with the way you think. I think probably the, I'd say probably Walker not getting a hit would be the way I would go with that just because he's a rookie. That's an impressive stat though. 12 straight games with a hit for a rookie that has been pretty halted. He's been one of the top prospects in baseball for a little bit coming in and doing that. I'd say probably him though. I know that it's a Red Sox team that's struggled a little bit. They're only five and seven to start the year, but Eventually, the Rays are going to fall at some point. Something will happen. But it, it to me, it just feels like, don't the Rays usually end up like this, though? Like, they start off really hot, and then... Well, the Pirates do the same thing. The Orioles do the same thing. I mean, granted, Tampa Bay is doing a little bit better right now, obviously, since they haven't lost a game yet. But 
I don't know. I mean, I mean, they won a hundred years ago. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they, the the Rays have they been there. They've always been there. Last like decade and a half now. Since 2018, they haven't had a losing season. 2017 was the last losing season the yeah. team had. So everybody still gives them credit. And they're like a consistent wild card team too. That's the thing. Like they're consistent in the best there. division in baseball. Yeah. Right. They're, right. Yeah, they're a solidly built team. They're really good. And I wanted to give a shout out to Randy Rosarena too. Not only because he's on my fantasy baseball <laughs> team, but. He's been absolutely fantastic. I know he's one of the big stars of the WBC over the summer, or excuse me, into the spring. But he, he's been having a really good season, leading the Rays in RBIs at 15. And again, it's a team that's like you look at just low payroll, and you look at these guys. There's isn't other than maybe Wander Franco, maybe Randy Rosarena. There isn't like a humongous name. Maybe Shane, you look at Shane McClanahan pitching, but like. That's like Brandon Lowe. You got Isaac Paredes, who came over in a trade from the Tigers, I think, of last year. Guys like Harold Ramirez, Jose Siri. These aren't like jump out on the page names. These are guys who are just going in there and doing what they need to do. And that's that's pretty cool. A low market team like Tampa doing what they need to do. I know everybody was rallying around the Kansas City Royals in 2015 when they won the World Series. Again, another one of those teams, lower payroll, smaller market team, goes on to win the World Series. Could see another story here with the Rays. That'll be really fun. Well, we got to be getting to this final break, but you can text us 304-263-4321. And we got Parker's picks coming up, and here's one for you to think about, Park. Now, I can't remember what the um, actual odds were, but it was for Shohei Otani to hit for the cycle and throw a no-hitter in the same game, right? Because he's really the only one that can do it. So the way you have to do it is you have to um, parlay him hitting a single, double, triple, right? Because you can't just pick this out right yeah. and then you have to do the pretty much the same thing uh on the pitching side and the payout if it hits at least at the time of this guy's betting uh was 22 million dollars for how much for i don't know how much like it dollar? was but the yeah the potential payout was 22 million dollars oh my god i just the odds of that happening are ridiculously low are they well uh, my question would be why wouldn't you if you're FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever go ahead and just say for the season yeah bet x to win X, I think he does. I think he could do it. Would he do it by the end of it? I don't know. I think he does by the end, by the end of his career. In the same game, he throws a no hitter and hits for the cycle. You, I mean, That'd if there's amazing. anybody that could do it, it's him. That would that would be the, the only greatest reason I would say no is because he's one of the pitchers that is so carefully watched that they wouldn't let him go the distance in a game. You know, I yeah. mean, I'm assuming no hitter means nine innings. <laughs> yeah, I don't think does he have a complete game in his career? I'm, I'm sure. Guess but he, he I'm sure he did over in Japan. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sure and not he does. over here. Um. I think he's the type of guy. Otani seems like the type of ball player that if he's on the verge of something like that, he ain't you, know, you ain't taking him out. And I think he's already kind of commands that kind of respect that you're not taking him out if he doesn't want to come yeah, out. Yeah, no, we're not taking him he out. He does you know? not have a career uh, complete game. But you're yeah. right. I mean, if it's the seven, I mean, what do the Angels have to lose? Yeah, I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> no, nah, we got to go to the bullpen. We got to go to the no, bullpen. He would just quit. He'd go back to Japan. <laughs> yeah. come, come on, Aaron Lowe. walk out of the stadium. Hey, we'll take him in D.C., man. Can you imagine Shohei in D.C.? Ooh, that would be fun. Uh, but you can text us, 304-263-4321. We'll step aside one final time. We'll come back, get Parker's picks, and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. 
Well, yesterday we got to the money, and everybody who didn't copy picks is going to be mad. <laughs> Full win yesterday. Mariners beat the Cubs 5-2 to two in yesterday's lock of the day. He's in his baseball bag. Folks. I'm telling you. And with... You think the Rays are off to a hot start. Hey, ba- <laughs> like I said, I, I was telling people yesterday, it, Parker's picks may be a little up and down through football and basketball, depending on where things fall. Baseball, we got you covered. Like this is this is bread and butter right here. This, this is wheelhouse, baby. Wheelhouse betting right here. And then I mentioned yesterday I goofed with the playing games for Tuesday, but both those picks I stuck with them again yesterday. Both paid out. Van Vliet got over on assists as the Raptors absolutely choked that game against the Bulls. And the over on points did hit. The alternate did hit. But the regular did hit, though. The 226 did hit. So if you took that one, good on you. But I took the 220 alternate spread. That one did hit in the Thunder Pelicans game. So for today's picks, let's go for today's lock of the day. I'm going with an O's pick, so you can listen in here on WPM and WCST. You can listen and see if this lock of the day is going to hit for you. Austin Hayes, two-plus total bases a day against the Oakland Athletics. I like what he brings to the table. Austin Hayes, one of the most consistent, I think, hitters on this Orioles team. It's plus 115, which I like that line a lot for Austin Hayes. Some of the guys that were two-plus total bases included Cedric Mullins. He was a negative betting odd. But I like Austin Hayes to get the two-plus. He had an off game yesterday. I think he bounces back today in a midday game. I got him going for two-plus total bases as today's lock of the day. Also, I got Matt Chapman, who's been off to an excellent start of the season. I was not expecting that out anywhere. You look at the hitters on the Blue Jays. You go to Vladdy Jr., you go to George Springer, go to a guy like Alec Manoa on the mound. Matt Chapman's been kind of the star of this team so far this season. I've been really impressed with what he's brought to the table. So I'm going to take him two-plus total bases against the Tigers. He's done this the past two games. I think he does it again in this one. He's facing off against Spencer Turnbull of the Tigers. I like what Matt Chapman brings to the table. I think he gets that to plus 105. Great bet for today, I think, as well. As Joe Ryan, a guy who I like a lot out of the Minnesota Twins, I think he gets his over on strikeouts today. It's at five and a half as two starts. He struck out six, and he struck out ten. He strikes out six against the Yankees today. That's Parker's picks. Austin Hayes, two-plus total bases. Joe Ryan, six or more strikeouts. Matt Chapman, two-plus total bases. What's this? Zach Levine going off for 40 last night? Yeah, he had a really great game against the Raptors mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, 109 105 win for the, the Bulls. The star, though, was DeMar DeRozan's daughter, right? Because she was the one that was screaming, and the Raptors missed oh, 18 yeah. free throws. <laughs> yeah, this headline says, The hero of the Bulls' epic comeback, DeMar DeRozan's nine year old daughter. There you go. <laughs> you love to see it. They, they were up big at one point. Uh, was it 66 49? And then they, uh, the Toronto blows that lead at home, no less, and miss 18 free throws. Mm-hmm. How are you an NBA oh, team that misses 18 free throws that doesn't have Shaq starting at the five? I mean, that's just unbelievable. Siakam, who is arguably the star of this team, went 5 of 11 from the free throw line. Yeah, that, that's that just can't happen. Can't happen. Well, and then you got the Thunder winning 123 to 118. Goodness. Talk yeah, about some intense playing games yeah. here. It's a shame I didn't uh, stay up. My, in fact, I turned the Raptors game off because I thought they had that one in the bag as well. But from what I understand, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had a really good game against the Pelicans in this one. So that was good to see from him. A young fella, uh, 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 Thunder team that is ahead of schedule. And Josh Giddy is one of my favorite players in the league. Was a rebound shy of a triple-double. Goes for 31. I had said, and I've said on this show, that Giddy and SGA can't coexist and this team succeed. And, I mean, it's games like that that prove me wrong. Yeah, they combined for 60 yeah. last I know, night. Unbelievable. I, and I hope they continue to because I like them both as individuals. I just don't think they mesh well together, but they certainly did against the Pelicans. And then you've got the, the Dortcher chamber there. Lou Dortz, uh, he goes for 27. I mean, he's one of the best 3 and D players in the league. So they're they're fun. They're not a team that you want to play in the first round. No, definitely not. And they're it's exciting to see for the Thunder a team that we've 
had hopes for around a decade ago. This team was pegged as, okay, they're going to win an NBA championship at some point. You look at the likes of Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden on that team. Now they've shipped all this out, going to a major rebuild, have stockpiled all their picks at this point, and it's paying off for them. This, they're ahead of schedule in the rebuild, from what it seems. They absolutely have won the Paul George trade. There's no debate at that one at this point. Shea Gilgis Alexander is a borderline top 10 player in the NBA right now, the way he is playing. You got guys like Dort, who's playing his role fantastically well. Josh Giddy, who's been hit as a lottery pick. And both the Williams are coming into their own, too, combining for around 20-plus points. They're playing their roles to a point. The only concern I have with the Thunders, their bench, is because they only mustered up 14 points off their bench. They relied heavily on that starting five. But if they get some more role players in here, they got a lot well, more draft, a lot picks. draft picks. They got a lot of draft picks. That's the thing. Tons of them. And they can use those to, if they want to even use those draft picks and acquire somebody of a bigger name, bring somebody in there as a role player, they can do that. But they got their one star, I think, in SGA right now and a really good 1B in Josh Giddy. And you look for the Pelicans, I think it's another season of what could have been. Of course, Zion Williamson doesn't play this game. I listened yesterday. I think he's missed over like 160 combined games since Biggest he's been in the NBA. Biggest flop ever. Everybody, I mean... Yeah, I, that's exactly I was, what I He's said. turning into Greg Oden. I mean, he was great in college, but I mean, he's I he's he just was never an NBA player. I didn't think. I, that's what I, people were screaming. The people, those of us that were screaming when he came out of the draft. I mean, he's a walking injury, yep. and it's not his fault. I mean, he's sculpted out of Mount Rushmore, you know. He, but he's he's an injury prone guy. He can't help it. And you're right. I mean, I would be shocked if he finished his NBA career with more than 400 games played. I would yep. maybe even 350. Because he just cannot stay healthy. Well, everybody wanted him to be the the face of the NBA, but I mean, he well, he's never on the court. When he is, he's mm-hmm. not on there very long, and then he's not personable at all either. I mean, his commercials he's in are awful. Oh, that's <laughs> They're awful. But I don't know. Who knows, man? Looking in towards the weekend though for NBA playoff action, we got Knicks and Cavaliers six p.m. Uh, on ESPN on Saturday. Uh, am I the only one that's confident in thinking the Knicks can, you know, pull out a series win over these Cavaliers as long as, you know, everybody comes back healthy and, of course, Brunson keeps playing the way he has been and Julius keeps playing and they have the keys come in. But what do you guys think about this? You're, you being the, the neutrals in this one, do you think the Knicks have any kind of a chance against this spider-led Cavaliers team? Yeah, I favor them in this series. But this series, I think, will be won in the first two games. If the Knicks take a game from Cleveland at Cleveland, then they're going to win the series. If the Cavs jump out to nothing, then I think it's going to be a little bit problematic. So, yeah, I, I like the Knicks' odds. I like them. If they go back to the Garden on level terms, if it's a, a one and one series, then I think the Knicks win this series. I, I think home court advantage means a ton for Cleveland in this matchup. I don't think it means as much for Boston, who's also going to be playing coming mm-hmm. up this Saturday. I think it means a lot for the Sixers, too, against the Nets because they don't want to go to the Barclays Center in a similar situation one and one. I know no team wants to do that. It's an obvious thing to say, but. Yeah, I, I like the Knicks' odds. I think I said yesterday that it's not that far-fetched to say they've got the second or third best chance of a team in the Eastern Conference to go to the finals because of the way they're constructed, the way the Garden's a tough place to play. Yeah, With Tibbs being a defensive-minded head coach, that means a lot in the postseason. I think, too, this is going to be the series of the opening round. It's going to be Knicks and Cavs easily. That's going to be so much fun. I'm excited to see how that one's going to shake up. A lot of star power in there. you got a guy like Julius Randle who's looking like he's going to be coming back for the series, which will be great for the Knicks. Jalen Brunson, who's... I think really in contention for most improved player in the NBA this season. And you got guys like R.J. Barrett and guys who have stepped up for the Knicks. But, again, you have a Cavs team led by Donovan Mitchell. There's guys you really like, like Evan Mobley, like Jared Allen. It's going to be a fun series. This is the one to watch. It's going to be Saturday at 6. This is the series to watch. So, Knicks-Cavs, be locked in for it.
Well, got a uh, just about well, a few seconds here left, fellas. Anything else you want to cover today? Yeah, huge, huge WVU news yesterday. Women's basketball picks up a commit. Saya Nugent comes from Stephen F. Austin. She followed her coach. Averaged 12-5-5 and last year. Trey Mitchell is going to return for the basketball team. Syracuse center Jesse Edwards is going to visit this week. He averaged 15-10 and last year. And the football team got Beanie Bishop, a cornerback <laughs> from Minnesota, to transfer in. Man, the Beanie Beanies are going to be a Excuse big man. thing, big thing in uh, MPS this year. Uh, Gavin Young, exciting news for Berkeley Springs. He got an invite over to University of Connecticut spring game and their camp as well. So, congratulations to Gavin and the tribe. And if you missed any show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.